Our gospel for this morning comes from Mark chapter 9. John said to Jesus, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. But Jesus said, Do not stop him, for no one who does a deed of power in my name will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. For truly I tell you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you bear the name of Christ will by no means lose the reward. If any of you put a stumbling block before one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for you if a great millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than to have two hands and go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than to have two feet and to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to stumble, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than to have two eyes and to be thrown into hell, where their worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its saltiness, how can you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Sometimes God's grace comes to us in unexpected ways through people that we least expect. That's the message in the book by Nadia Boltz Weber called Accidental Saints. Subtitled, Finding God in All the Wrong People. Throughout the book, Nadia talks about the people in her life who are what she calls accidental saints. She writes, I have come to realize that all the saints I've known have been accidental ones, people who inadvertently stumbled into redemption like they were looking for something else at the time. She goes on to tell stories of confessing to and receiving absolution from a woman dying of AIDS, being rescued in the Holy Land by a wholesome middle-aged Midwesterner, being taught the meaning of love by a paraplegic in her church. She talks about her CrossFit coach, a teenage girl with pink hair, about being prayed for by a pregnant mother, and acts of kindnesses by ex-cons and more. She says, what makes us the saints of God is not our ability to be saintly, but rather God's ability to work through sinners. Saints are those people who, she says, despite their flaws and failings, God works through in surprising, unexpected ways. And Nadia points out, as only Nadia can, sometimes those ways can be unwanted and quite annoying. The Bible is full of people who fit this profile And both of our readings today have what would qualify as accidental saints. In our first reading, we catch up with the Israelites who are wandering through the desert, making their way ever so slowly to the promised land, and everybody is complaining again. Moses has been shouldering the burden of leading the Israelites all on his own, and he's burned out. So God tells him to gather 70 elders together, And Moses gathers them into the tent of meeting, and there God takes some of the spirit that's been on Moses and shares it with the other 70, enabling them to help and lead the people. 
It's a bit of divine delegation, blessing and ordaining these 70 to help lead God's people. But there were these two guys in our reading, Eldad and Medad, who didn't get an invitation, who didn't make it to the tent. They were left behind in the village. Maybe they needed somebody to tend the camels or something. But the Spirit rested on them nonetheless. And so they began to prophesy, to speak God's word to those in the camp. And then a young man from the camp runs to the tent of meeting, tells Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, the assistant to Moses, one of the chosen ones, says, you've got to stop them. He wanted to stop them because they weren't in the tent. They didn't have the special invitation. They weren't commissioned with the rest. And so he asked, what gives them the right to speak for God? But Moses says to him, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Moses was saying, 70 is good. 72 is even better. Everyone is the goal. God's grace and the power to share it wasn't confined to those in the tent, but God's grace is for all and can be shared by everyone. Just so in our gospel, the disciples try to stop someone that's casting out demons in Jesus' name, someone who was not part of the twelve or Jesus' followers, but was doing good things nonetheless. One of the disciples, John, said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he was not following us. They weren't part of the twelve or Jesus' cadre of followers, but they believed that they were filled with the power of God enough to cast out demons. But Jesus said, don't stop him, for somebody that does a deed of power in my name will not be able to speak evil of me. Whoever is not against us is for us. In both cases, someone from outside the inner circle, someone seemingly unauthorized, becomes the messenger of grace, the bearer of God's good news, a vessel for healing. Moses and Jesus both knew that God's grace can't be contained in a tent or among the merry band of disciples. God has ways of working in the world that we don't know about through people that we'd never expect. But the 70 and the 12 quickly forgot that. Having been chosen as part of the inner circle to forward God's mission, they lost sight that they were just as unlikely and unworthy to carry out God's work as Eldad and Medad, or the person healing in Jesus' name. This is a pattern that comes up again and again in Scripture between those who see themselves as being on the inside and those who are perceived as being on the outside, between those who are believed to be sanctioned and those who are not. The Pharisees and the scribes and most of the people didn't think God could work through some carpenter's son from Nazareth or his ragtag bunch of followers, but God did. And then the disciples go and repeat that mistake and start to think that this person healing in Jesus' name should be stopped. But God's Spirit cannot be contained to those in the tent. As I was rereading these stories this week, I thought about Bishop Barbara Harris, who died last year. Uh, you probably haven't heard of her. Uh, bishop Harris served as the bishop in the Episcopal Diocese of Massachusetts from 1989 to 2002. 
and she was the first female bishop in the Anglican Communion. That is, all of the Episcopal and Anglican churches around the world. And in addition, she was the first black female bishop in the Anglican Communion. She was a true pioneer, a true trailblazer. And there's a story about her consecration as bishop in a book about her called The Mitre Fits Just Fine. Um, The mitre is the funny-shaped hat that bishops wear. And the story goes like this. It says, As was the custom, the presiding bishop gave an opportunity for those who did not agree with the ordination of Barbara to bishop to express their dissent. You could feel the silence. For a few moments, nothing happened. Then heads started turning. A man was headed towards an open mic. He was a priest who had been against the ordination of female bishops. Some in the crowd started to shout as a way of preventing him from speaking. But Bishop Browning, the presiding bishop, asked for silence. Barbara kept her eyes on the cross. She never looked at him. He held the mic tightly, twisting it, and then he screamed, This is a farce. You are not a priest, not a bishop, and no sacraments that you perform will be legitimate. I call on the presiding bishop not to go ahead with this pretend ordination. As he spoke, an elderly black woman got out of her seat. That's Barbara's mother, someone whispered. I wonder what she's going to do. Walking over to Barbara, she hugged her and said, Don't worry, my child. It will be all right. I'm your mother, and I know. And as soon as the women hugged each other, the man stopped talking and went back to his seat. Bishop Harris went on to be ordained bishop, and she served the church beautifully and remains an inspiration to this day, even after her passing. In addition to the accidental saints in our history, in the Scripture, and in our own lives, there are so many overlooked saints and dismissed saints who have been historically excluded from leadership in the church. Women, people of color, LGBTQIA plus folks, the young, those who are differently and uniquely abled, those who don't fit the profile. I mean, it wasn't until our lifetimes that women were ordained in the Lutheran church in the 1970s. And the first black female bishop in the ELCA, our bishop, Pat Davenport, wasn't elected until 2018, nearly 30 years after Bishop Harris. Just recently, on May 8th, Megan Rohrer was elected bishop of the Sierra Pacific Synod of the ELCA, becoming the first openly transgender person to serve as a bishop of a major U.S. Christian denomination. It is a fundamental question of our faith which is why it comes up again and again in the Scriptures. Who is allowed to proclaim God's Word? Who is allowed to minister? Who is allowed to serve and heal in God's name? The answer is anyone and everyone. Whether it's Moses, who himself had a speech impediment, or Mary Magdalene, who was the first to proclaim the news of the resurrection, or Timothy, who was dismissed because of his youth, or Queen Esther, who was chosen for queen by her beauty, but saved God's people thanks to her bravery and courage. God has called and inspired people that no one else would have chosen. And they are among those who speak most powerfully 
about God's love and grace. And we might consider our own selves as likely as any, but the Spirit of God falls on even us too. This, for me, is the gift of Nadia's ministry, showing how God works through our own limitations. She says, I keep making mistakes, even the same ones over and over. I repeatedly attempt and fail to keep God and my fellow humans at arm's length. I say no when I should say yes. I say yes when I should say no. I stumble into holy moments, not realizing where I am until they are over. I love poorly, then accidentally say the right thing at the right moment without even realizing it. Then forget what matters. Then show tenderness when it's needed. And then turn around and think of myself way too often. She says, without higher quality material to work with, God resorts to working through us for others and upon us through others. Those are some weirdly restorative, disconcerting shenanigans to be caught up in. God's forcing God's people to see themselves as God sees them, to do stuff they know they are incapable of doing, so that God might make use of them and make them to be both humble recipients and generous givers of grace, so that they may be part of God's big project of earth, so that they themselves might find unexpected joy through surprising situations. That's really what's at the heart of Nadia's book, Accidental Saints, and for me, these readings this morning. The way we, in our faithful and flawed ways, can bring God's grace to others, often without even knowing it. The way someone says or does something that's no big deal to them, but totally changes our day, maybe even our lives. The way that God tracks us down, often using people we'd least expect or want to do it. The way God lifts up leaders in our midst who have been forgotten, dismissed, and overlooked. Such is the breath and the relentlessness of God's love for us, that God would use us, that God would use the people we would least expect, that God would use the people who have been hard-pressed and marginalized to speak God's word of promise back to us. Such is the relentlessness of God's goodness and grace. Amen.